Let's open our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6 tonight. Title of the message, Opportunities for Service. Engineers are very good at solving problems. You may have heard me use this illustration before. It's one of my favorites, especially in Detroit where we have so many engineers around. But years ago, a complaint letter came into the uh, Pontiac Division of General Motors. It read, this is the second time I've written to you. I don't blame you for not answering me because what I have to say sounds kind of crazy. Every night after our family has eaten dinner, we vote on what kind of ice cream we should have, and I drive down to the store to get it. I recently purchased a new Pontiac, and since then, my trips to the store have created a problem. Every time I buy vanilla ice cream, when I get back into the car to come home, the car won't start. If I get any other kind of ice cream, the car starts fine. I want you to know I'm serious about this question, no matter how silly it sounds. What is there about a Pontiac that makes it not start when I get vanilla ice cream and easy to start whenever I get any other kind? The president of Pontiac was skeptical, but he sent out an engineer, and he was surprised to find that the complaint letter came from a successful, intelligent businessman. They set up a time to ride to the store after dinner to find out what was happening, and sure enough, when they came back out to the car after purchasing vanilla ice cream, the car wouldn't start. The next three nights, they drove to the store to buy other flavors, and after coming out of the grocery store, the car started up just fine. The engineer wrote down all the data, time of day, type of gas, parking space, and discovered what was happening. The answer was in the layout of the store. Since vanilla is the most popular flavor, it was kept in a separate freezer at the front of the store for quick pickup. All the other flavors were in the back of the store where it took longer to find the flavor and to get checked out. The car wouldn't start when it took less time. Once time became the problem, not the vanilla ice cream, the engineer quickly came up with the answer. You've already, many of you men have already, it's on your mind, vapor lock. Okay, that's what it was. It's happening every night, but the extra time taken to get the other flavors allowed the engine to cool down sufficiently to, to start. So when the man got vanilla, the engine was still too hot for the vapor lock to dissipate. Well, here in the Detroit area, we have a lot of uh, men in our church who have served as engineers for Ford, Chrysler, General Motors, and they're used to solving problems. But when it comes to church ministry, God has ordained that spirit-filled men are to be elected to the office of a deacon. And I'd like to share this passage in Acts 6, verses 1 to 7, to see why and how the first deacons were chosen. And the application is for everyone. Don't say, well, I'm not a deacon, and I just vote every, every now and then for one. But we're all servants of Christ. A deacon is a servant. And so we should all be ready for and looking for opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. No better occupation in the world to serve him. In Acts 6, we see how God used the first problem in the church, this is the first one that arose, to bring out of it something good. And all because people were willing to step up and to serve. Four points will take us through the passage. A problem arose, a solution was proposed, men were chosen, and the church grew. 
These men are not called deacons in this chapter, but the daily ministration, do you see that word, the distribution? Uh, that was called the diakonia. It's a service. So this is the beginning of the ministry of deacons. Later they'll be called deacons. In a book, Church Officers at Work, Glenn Asquith writes, one by one, church offices were created to meet the needs as they arose. This also is the basis accepted by churches today. The need coupled with the simplest and most efficient way of caring for it. Let's look at the verse, verse 1 and see the problem that arose. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Notice the murmuring there. Uh, there was something that uh, uh, they were not happy with. The Grecians are the ones who are murmuring, and the word against the Hebrews. Uh, the cultural background really sets the stage for this division that, that arose. There are two distinct people groups that made up the church, and they looked at each other for a long time with suspicion. The Grecians were those Jews who had returned from Israel, uh, to Israel from the exiles, other nations, where, uh, or they had fled in the diaspora, the scattering. Many of them could not speak Aramaic. They spoke Greek. Uh, they used the Septuagint for their scriptures, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And uh, while they were away, they, they assimilated not only the language, the Greek language, but also the culture of the, of the Greeks, of the Gentiles. The Hebrews, on the other hand, were, were Jews who were residents of Jerusalem. They hadn't gone away. They probably spoke uh, Aramaic. Uh, they used the Hebrew Bible. Um, they were in the majority in the church. And there were many uh, who probably had some resentment to those that were outsiders because they had been away and now they've come back to Jerusalem. So that's the background. The division came because of what looked like favoritism. The Grecian widows were being it says, neglected in the daily ministration, the distribution of food or financial help. Now let's look at the meaning of the words here. The word neglected literally means they were being overlooked. You ever felt that way? And nobody saw me. Nobody saw the need that I had. And you go home, and you, that starts to build in your mind. They were neglected. And then this daily ministration, it's a, again, the diakonia is a, a, the service or help or relief. And notice this was daily that this took place. So they'd go home every day feel, feeling overlooked. It's interesting because one of the, the marks of the early church, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, You'll see how it started, and it was, it was a, a love for each other, a responsiveness to the needs of each other. It says, all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And so what started as something very generous and very good became something that uh, was building some resentment. How did that neglect happen? Well, I think since it was the apostles who were the ones who were freed up when the deacons were chosen, that it was them that were probably serving the tables. Uh, it wasn't, probably wasn't intentional. 
It may have started because of a language barrier. Um, the 12 were uh, doing the work, or maybe they got people who were volunteers. Maybe they just couldn't keep up with the whole process. Uh, daily food for a large group can, can cause some problems. It's a challenge. If you've been in a family where there are a lot of teenagers, you say, boy, it just wasn't fair after that meal. The food is gone and just a few people, because they ate faster or were closer to the bowl, got everything that were, was to eat. And you start weighing the, the, the portions. And it could be, as, as they looked at that, either they ran out as they were passing things out, and they go home saying, well, why did they give so much to that other? You can, you can imagine how the neglect happened. But there are things that we can learn about church problems in this passage. And as we begin this, well, we see probably a patience would be a virtue, a great thing to have as, as you're going through this problem. Um, not getting upset about what's happening, but rather communicating the problem. Um, God uses problems for his glory. And as we go through the process here of just these six verses, we'll see how this problem became an opportunity. And someone be, would be given the ministry of getting involved, of helping others. And here's an opportunity to exercise uh, faith in the Lord and faith in each other. Uh, let's look at the second section. We'll go from verse 2 to the first half of verse 5. And here's a solution that's proposed. Uh, they chose the deacons. Let's see how that happened. When the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, they said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Remember, there are about 3,000 people as the church began. And so that's something to be able to please the whole multitude by making a decision. The reason for the apostles' proposal, verse 2, was given at the beginning. Uh, not, it is not reason. It's not appropriate for us to stop doing what God has called us to do and serve at these uh, tables of distribution. And so a choice is made. The apostles couldn't do both. To serve the tables would mean that they left the ministry of the word of God in a prayer. The decision is, is stated, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I see four things here that the apostles were able to do because God had called them to do this. This was a purposeful decision. We will give ourselves continually. This is a priority that they had. And so this is a choice of the will, something they determined to do. It was a sacrificial decision. We will give ourselves. It's a total investment of, of who they were, of their time, of all that they had. It's also a decision that was permanent. We will give ourselves continually. This is a nonstop type ministry. We're going to get involved in it. We're, we're in it for the long haul. And then also it's a beneficial decision. The apostles narrowed their, for, their, their focus to those two priorities, prayer and the ministry of the word. Always be concise with 
the goals that God gives to you. You can't do everything well. But what he's given you to do, you can do with his help. So these apostles, it was a purposeful decision, sacrificial, a permanent decision, a beneficial decision. The responsibility of the congregation is seen in the, as they appointed these deacons. It, were, it was the apostles who submitted the idea to the multitude. The choice of the deacons was left to the congregation. Three small words in, in, in this section, look ye out. And the word ye is that second person plural uh, pronoun. You, all of you are to do this. Uh, the deacons came from the congregation. We see that in the phrase, among you. Look ye out among you. And so all of a sudden they're, they're looking who would be best at this job. The deacons came from the congregation. The people agreed. At the beginning of verse 5, the saying pleased the whole multitude. Pleased, it means they were happy with the solution uh, that had been proposed. This was a good, a good direction. It's wonderful to go home from a business meeting and say, boy, that was a good decision. I'm glad everyone saw that, and, and that's a great way to go. Notice it was the whole multitude, too. There was a, there was a unanimous decision here. The apostles gave certain guidelines or parameters for the choices that they were making. The number seven, uh, the number was based on the need. Seven is not necessarily binding in churches today. We have seven in our, in our uh, roster of deacons generally. We don't have to have that number. It's not a biblical number. In fact, they had seven for 3,000 people and the needs that they had, so we have much less, but we have more problems today, right? Uh, other, other stipulations are binding. Okay, the number is not, but the other stipulations are. Let's run quickly through those. They were to be men. The names listed here for the first deacons are all men's names. The Bible stresses male leadership in the church, and I know that's not popular today, but that's biblical. Okay. They were to have specific characteristics. Uh, we have the nine qualifications listed on the, the list next to the ballot box, or the nomination box every year. Uh, but there are nine in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Here, in Acts, only three are listed. And so we can have 12 altogether. But they were men, they were to be men of honest report. They would be entrusted with large amounts of money, of financial, of, of goods as well, as they distributed these things. So they were to be entrusted. And isn't it wonderful to see how God changes the ethics of people? Christians should be uh, trustworthy. They were to be spirit-filled. Just because a person may be successful in business doesn't necessarily qualify them as a, as a deacon. They're to be spirit-filled. They should walk with the Lord. They were filled with wisdom. That is, wisdom that comes from knowing how to apply God's word to specific uh, situations in life. The appointment was made by the twelve. So the congregation made the choice the apostles appointed them for the work. To appoint literally means to place down or to put in place, or we could use the word ordain. Here are the checks and balances between a, a congregational vote and the spiritual leaders in the church. Neither function without the input of the other. And we've seen, you have probably seen and known of, churches in the past that have difficulties because 
one section gets larger than the other or has more power than the other. But it's, there's a balance here. So the Bible isn't specific about form of church government. There are a lot of church governments that are different than ours. But notice how this business takes place. The apostles led in the direction of the decision to be made. They called the church together. The apostles were the one who, who proposed the solution. Now you say, well, we don't have any apostles today. That's right, we don't. Pastors are not apostles, but they are overseers, and they should provide the spiritual leadership in the church. What about the congregation? Notice it pleased the congregation, that is, there, were, there was agreement, and then they chose the deacons. There was involvement. So church members all have this responsibility to be in agreement and to be willing to be involved as well. So here's an example of congregational government and pastoral leadership. Now let's note, uh, look next at uh, the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. Uh, the men who were chosen. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. It's interesting to, f to note that these are all names that are Greek. Remember, the Grecians were the ones who were complaining that their widows were being neglected. Uh, Nicholas is not a Greek, but he was, uh, he, he, I'm sorry, he was a Greek. Um, he was not a Jew by birth, but he was a convert to Judaism. It says he's a proselyte of Antioch. And so these seven men. That means that the entire church chose those from the group of the minority who had been overlooked in the administration of these funds. A few more lessons from the application of this early church business meeting. God is the one who makes men trustworthy. He equips deacons to serve. And you say, well, that, that's obvious. That, that should be the case. But do you know he equips every one of us to serve? Whatever task he's given you to do is the imp most important task in the world to you. This is how you serve the Lord. He's gifted you. You've given, given people a myriad of spiritual gifts. Some, some have a combination of gifts. Not everybody has the same gift, but we work together in the body of Christ. So he equips us all to serve. And also another lesson, those who are closely related to the problem should be part of the solution. Don't just point out problems. Be ready to be part of the solution. We see also here their approval. The deacons were set before the apostles. They prayed. They ordained them by the laying on of hands. Last, we see in verse 7, uh, I, I said 1 through 6, didn't I? I'm going to extend the message just a bit. The, the, the result that followed. This is a wonderful blessing, and we can't miss this part, because when everything is, is going according to God's plan, here's what happens. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The word of God increased. Dr. Custer writes, the imperfect tense of this verb stresses the constant growth. So it was continually increasing. It was spreading. And as it did, it caused growth when it was received. And so the word of God spread, and the word of God always has that impact on individual lives. It will help you to grow 
That's what was happening. The word of God kept increasing. I like the verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul said, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. That free course means unhindered, nothing in its way. What a great prayer. We want God's word to have an impact, to have an effect. And that's what the result was when this problem was solved. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. I like that word, greatly. And we also see, and a great company. There's a large company of the priests were obedient to the faith. These would be Jewish men who had the responsibility to serve in the temple. And they came several weeks out of the year to, to serve in the temple. These, now, these men were now obedient to the faith. They had been converted to Christianity. They were, they were getting saved. What a wonderful ending to something that started out as a huge problem, the first problem in the church. Let's always look to God and let him show how problems can be not only resolved, but how they can allow us to serve him better. John MacArthur summarizes this passage with the following words. The church today needs organization for the same reasons as the first fellowship. Pastors must be freed to focus on preaching of the word and prayer. Better organization can help meet the needs of all members and thus avoid conflict. And a unified, well-taught church with a powerful witness to the lost world. What's your ministry in the church? Will you ask God to show you what it is, where you fit in, and determine by his grace to fulfill that service, that ministry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this passage. I pray that you would help us all to serve you with all of our hearts, with all of the gifts that you've graced us with. And I pray that as a result, we'll see the word of God increase in our church, in our community, for the glory of God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.